Welcome to Confessions of an Urban Yoga Teacher. This is a doozy. Thank you so much for joining me. Tonight's confession is very personal, and not that all confessions aren't in some way personal, but this is something that my sister found out today. This is something that my dad will find out when he listens to this. And for a number of reasons that, you know, I'll share, I thought it was quite important that um, that I share this publicly because it's, it's I think it is, um, it is our job to use our personal experiences and our traumas to help other people perhaps avoid similar things or to help them to overcome something similar. I don't really watch much TV. Uh, most of my news I read and most of the latest pop culture I get on YouTube in what, five, eight minute um, segments. So today, um, I was a little bored and <laughs> went on a little YouTube binge and I tend to gravitate more towards um, when I'm not watching, you know, catching up on like trash that everybody is like, oh my God, you need to see what so-and-so said. Aside from that, um, I often listen to things on YouTube about um, the darker side of life. Um, it's always been a, fashion, a fascination and a curiosity of mine to see the opposite side of the light. Because I think in becoming aware of the dark side, we are so much, um, we have so much more opportunity to create more light and to um, and to pull people or to guide people from the darkness. Because if we pretend that the dark doesn't exist, then we pretend that the things that I'm about to tell you don't exist. And I think this is often why when shit like this comes up, parents, teachers, clergy, whoever, have such a easy time turning a blind eye and I say an easy time because the blind eye was turned and for me that's the easier option than having to face that someone you love trust respect perhaps has in some way 
violated your loved one. So, probably wondering what the fuck I'm talking about and will I just get on with the point? Promise you, getting there. So today, on a YouTube binge, I was listening to um, all of the accounts um, around the Me Too movement and Harry Weinstein. Now, obviously, you know, I've, um, you know, I've seen all the news media or listened to it, read it, so on and so forth. And, you know, I've heard plenty of discussion about it. And today, I really sat down and I listened to a few interviews. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow, Ashley Judd, and there was another woman... Um, I think she created like a, she was creating some kind of a, I don't know, app or something. Um, I don't think she was an actress, but she was creating an app and nonetheless got mixed up in, in his little web and, you know, was susceptible to his abuse. So I listened to these women's stories and then... I listened to another woman whose name absolutely escapes me. I'm sorry. If I can, I will um, try and create a link so you can watch our interview. But anyway, this woman um, had at one point uh, merged her company with um, Miramax. I think it's Miramax. Um, whatever had merged her company with him and sooner than later she said that she recognized that he was a bully and not only did she recognize that he was a bully she called him out for it and from her account when she called him out from that moment forward he more or less Coward when she came around. She knew, or excuse me, he knew that she could see him. And she wasn't having it. Listening to this woman's story, I came to a realization that one, I had been triggered by the three stories I had listened to previous. And number two, that the trigger wasn't this man pretending to chaperone a teenage date and... going out of his way to take his son home first so that we could drive alone to my house. And on the drive to my house, he pulled over in a dark park and began to molest me. Frightened and shaken, I sat there frozen, just 
gazing out the window and hoping that the tears that were wailing in my eyes didn't drop. Because with all the Lifetime movies I saw up until that point, I knew that showing fear was something that men like that liked. That's what they wanted. He noticed that I wasn't or I didn't appear to be as fearful as he expected, which means or which probably meant to him that I was brave that I might tell. So he reached in the back seat and pulled out a little black gun and pointed it at me and said, do you see this right here? Shaken and afraid, I just shake my head yes. And he said, if you tell anybody, I'll kill you. And I said, okay, I promise I won't tell anyone. His face changed back to the face that I had seen for several years prior to the, you know, the, the nice, caring, protective man that we thought that he was. His face went right back to that from the monster. It was quite interesting. But nonetheless, I wasn't triggered by that. The trigger was that at 33, there may be only three people that know that story. And their purpose in knowing that story was for my healing and to help me release. I've never shared the story in a way that would be useful to someone else or that, or in a way that didn't present me as a victim. So when I listen to this woman talk about how He didn't, how, how Harry Weinstein didn't even try her. Because she was brazen enough, bold enough to call the bullshit out. To call it for what it was to his face. And to do it in such a way that he never abused her. You know, he, he never even thought to try to lure her into the web of his shit. So 
So as a person, as a young lady that was lured into it, I mean, I was in seventh grade for Christ's sakes. Like, you know, I mean, however, at 33, almost 33, I think that telling this story and sharing this experience and the shift in my perspective will perhaps give somebody the wherewithal, give somebody the courage to not even be in a space with a person whom you feel is in any way trying to intimidate, bully, or take anything away from you. Even if the only thing they're taking is your peace of mind and your calm. Looking back on that night, there were definitely red flags. Looking back on the whole time that we knew this man, there were red flags. But for one reason or another, they weren't red enough. They weren't big enough. They, um, they all came with some kind of rationale. So today, after I watch these interviews, I feel myself shaking because I've never said anything. And when we walked away from that situation, he was still working at a middle school. He he was still working at a middle school. He was. The police weren't called. There was no report made. It was just something that kind of happened. So I'm still getting used to this new technology. If you know me, you know that it takes me a minute to get accustomed. But as I was saying, um, you know, it was something that just, it, it just happened. Um, you know, I went to uh, high school that summer, I mean that fall, and like, I, like you know, I, I didn't really talk about it after that. It was kind of just something that happened. And as I sat there and I listened to those women, those women that have the means to get security, to get the counseling if, you know, if they need it, to be able to speak out on a public platform and tell their story and, you know, to just have the freedom that perhaps if 
you know, one person didn't believe you. Shit, it's somebody or a hundred thousand people in America that do. You know what I'm saying? Because you have the platform to like to to pull people into the story. Whereas little black girl from North Philly don't have that. And for one reason or another The adults in your life just maybe so embarrassed that under their care something happens that they don't even want to look at what has happened. So, I want to say this, that is, that is, it has been my responsibility, it is my responsibility to share the story But if this story in any way resonates with you, it is your responsibility to work through your trauma and to find ways to heal, to heal from it and to be able to recognize or to begin to recognize your triggers. I had no idea until today listening to those interviews that that I had any additional emotion or um, like residual feelings attached to this. I just, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't see that. But then I, I watched this YouTube Um, these YouTube interviews and I'm triggered but not by the obvious not by the trauma itself but by the responsibility that it gave me to myself and also the responsibility it gives me to my community to women to everyone to be open and honest about the things that you've experienced. To allow those things to be a tool to help you grow and to help you grow others. And then also to just gain the ability to be able to DM the motherfucker they're violated and address it in a way that is indicative 
of who you've become in spite of and how the trauma will never be forgotten. I will still smell the must Ugh. and the sweat off those grubby palms. Lord have mercy. Oh, Lord. Ugh. But I'm able to stand up to you and call you on your shit. And perhaps be the bug in your ear when your daughter's girlfriends come over and spend the night. That reminds you that little girls are not for you. Nor is any woman that says no. Thank you guys for listening. I absolutely appreciate your time. Um, I think I'll do these a couple times a month, I guess. If you liked it, please subscribe and, um, and then I'll see you the next time I record a confession. Thank you and good night.